Blog Talk Radio. The opinions and views expressed by the host and guest are not necessarily the views and opinions of the Blake Radio Network. Broadcasting, broadcasting, broadcasting to the world. Broadcasting to the world, to the world, to the world. BlakeRadio.com. Music for your mind, body, and soul. tonight about prerogative. Just what is it? And what has it become? And I'm going to show you examples in medicine where people have exercised their prerogative and live, failed to exercise their prerogative and succumbed to the predictable outcome of murder, mutilation, and damage by medicine. And this is something that's totally preventable, not by any act of God, not by any... uh, government action, but only by exercising your prerogative. So as always, we check out the Webster Dictionary and see what they've got to say about this. I would just like to say that the Webster Dictionary was decidedly unhelpful in this one. In fact, it was absolutely shocking. Um, In law, I think we need to disregard the law in this one, but in law, a prerogative is an exclusive right given from a government or state and invested in an individual or group, the content of which is separate from the body of rights enjoyed under general law. So these are exceptional rights given to a small number of people. This is the legal definition of prerogative. And the word is derived uh, from prerogativa, which is special right, and from the Latin, prerogativa, which is previous choice or election. And so in the old days, basically 100 voters would vote uh, first. And so they had the prerogative, which was the right to vote first, a special right, not granted to other people. So this is not the definition of prerogative that we want to use. We're going to use the modern popular culture definition of prerogative, The word prerogative has come to mean the egalitarian condition 
of the right for anyone's own self-determination. That is one prerogative, that's P-R-E-R-O-G-A-T-I-V-E, to do as they please. It's the exact opposite of the legal use of the term. Being the illegal use of the private exclusion from anyone and determined to be the individual from without. In other words, it's the legal definition is a prerogative, is a right granted to you by the government. Like, no, no, no. What we want in terms of prerogative, we're talking about today, is a right that everyone has to their own self-determination. And so another word might be birthright. This is a right that you have just because you were born, just because you are alive. So this is the prerogative we're talking about. We're talking about exercising your right, maybe say your right, just exercising self-determination. Why? Because you're entitled. Why? Because you're alive. Because you are. Or better, just because. And so what we're talking about then is the exclusive right, and I'm saying exclusive because it's your right, exclusive to you, the right and the power to command, to decide, to rule, or to judge. So you have that power in your life to command, to decide, to rule, or to judge. And so this is, especially in the arena of medical care and medical intervention, this is really a right that only you can exercise. Why? Because you're the only one who knows how you feel. You're the only one that can determine if something is painful, if you feel like you're getting ready to die. This is information that only you have. And so only you can exercise the privilege of commanding, deciding, ruling, or judging. Now, the reason so many people die as a result of medical intervention is because people have been conned into not exercising their prerogative. And it's a serious con game. But I checked on the Internet, you know, just checked to see what prerogative is. This is an example. If you'd rather sell the tickets than use them, that's your prerogative. What? A human being, it's a limited prerogative to deciding whether or not to sell or use tickets. Here's another one. It is a writer's prerogative to decide the fate of her characters. Well, how about a writer's prerogative to decide her own fate? So this is the problem. This is the problem, is that people have limited their exercise of prerogative to areas in their life that are simply trivial, areas that, that, that have a very low return. In fact, if I had tickets, I don't care if I sell them or use them. I don't care if I let them expire. And the fate of a writer's characters, if I'm a writer, it is far more important to me to determine my own fate than the fate of my characters. In fact, with all the propaganda out there, it's clear that writers are not determining the fate of their characters. Instead, they're writing propaganda with the fate of their characters determined externally by some other preference. So we have to go a little further. So we're going to go 
I would I'd also like to say that women have what they call prerogative. Fact check on the internet for that. Women's prerogative is to decide the color of her nail polish, her makeup, her accessories. She can't even decide her clothes, just her accessories and her jewelry. I said, wow, just how trivial can it get? So what I'm talking about today is very concrete, very urgent, basically escaping the death trap of the medical industrial complex. Let's see what Bobby Brown has to say about this. Now, I think this is, uh, he has some pretty interesting words here. Don't need to do the whole song, just a few lyrics. And he says, everyone's talking all this stuff about me. Why don't they just let me live? I don't need permission. Make my own decision. That's my prerogative. He says, it's the way I want to live. I can do just what I feel. No one can tell me what to do. It's my prerogative. And so this is the basic attitude you need to fill yourself with in order to exercise your prerogative. You understand this is not something you ask someone else permission to do. This is not something um, that you get from somebody else. It's because. It's something you do just because you feel like doing it. So you don't need to do a lot of research. Um, You don't have to do any research. You can just simply, as one of our famous presidents said, you can be the decider. Okay, so here are some prerogatives that I think you should just, just try on, uh, you know, try it on for size. When you, see, when you hear a news report, exercise your prerogative to decide guilt or innocence without trial. Example, the you know, O.J. Simpson case. Everyone's got an opinion. I want to relax. Ease your mind. Guess what? It's your prerogative. Whether you think something is true or false or someone is guilty or innocent. You need to get comfortable with that, with being a judge, because that's your prerogative to judge. Now, if you're in all this new age stuff, they tell you, oh, don't judge. Suspend judgment. Judgment is the seat of all grief. Possibly, but in the case of the medical industrial complex, I'm telling you, you got to be the judge. you got to judge. And you got to be the jury. Your prerogative to decide what you're going to do. You don't need to take a survey. You are the survey. You're the judge and you're the jury. And you're the person who takes action. As they say, the executioner. This is something you have to be comfortable with. If you're not, then you'll find yourself being executed. Okay. So, then you have to totally reject the legal definition of prerogative. This is not something a lawmaker can give you. In other words, you've got to decide what medical rules you want to follow or not follow. And you also have to decide what rules you want to make for people you allow into your life. You decide what the doctor's going to do. You decide what he's not going to do. Even better, you decide what you're going to even consult him for or not. So this is important. And so you become the lawmaker. You decide what's okay and not okay for you to do, what's okay and not okay for other people to do to you. And then since you're making the laws, you decide what's a violation of your laws. And guess what? You get to decide the penalty when those laws are broken. So we're going to talk about, uh, I'm going to give you some examples 
of people who have exercised their prerogative. I'm going to try and keep it very positive here and show some very good outcomes that people had when they exercised their prerogative. Not everything is going to be uh, heavy and life-threatening, but uh, we're going to give some examples. These things actually really happened. So I had one client who was pregnant, and the doctors did an ultrasound, and they found that her baby, her baby's heart, had two valves, two valves. And of course, this person was a little bit older, she was pregnant, and they said, aha, your baby has Down syndrome, and you're so fortunate, it's early enough for you to have an abortion. Well, of course, since this lady was even getting prenatal care, obviously, she was in the category of somebody who was trying to have a baby. She wasn't trying to have an abortion. And so she agonized, and she agonized, and she agonized. And she said, you know what, I'm going to continue this pregnancy. And what happened? She had a healthy baby. This child is now uh, 18 years old, of normal to exceptional intelligence. And yes, she has two valves in her heart, and guess what? It's not a problem. Plays sports, does everything, no limitations. So what this person did was she exercised her prerogative. It says, wait, I'm going to decide what I'll believe. I'm going to decide if I'm going to continue this pregnancy. So you need to exercise your prerogative. Not only on the level of action, but also on the level of belief. Very, very, very important. Because if you don't exercise your prerogative on the level of belief, then it's very difficult to follow through with action. In this case, what lady decided was she would decide what she would and would not believe, and she would decide uh, what she would and would not do. Another case, again, a so the, so the first incident, the doctor was advising uh, to end the life of this baby. So she had taken the doctor's advice that she would not have a lovely uh, daughter approaching adulthood. So another lady, she's pregnant, and this lady uh, went to her uh, prenatal visit. Of course, they do lots of tests uh, for pregnant ladies. And they said, oh, we're sorry, Ms. Jones, to tell you that your sexually transmitted disease screen test came back positive for chlamydia. And those of you who don't know, chlamydia is a sexually transmitted disease, absolutely harmless for baby. Um, baby might have conjunctivitis. You just put a few drops in his eyes, and you're pretty much good to go. She says, you, you have to take antibiotics, and your husband has surely been unfaithful. He gave it to you. And so this um, uh, particular client of mine, she was, uh, had been one of my patients way, way, way back in the 90s when I was practicing medicine. So she wasn't anymore my patient because I wasn't practicing medicine, but she called me up totally distraught, absolutely unglued. Oh, my God, you know, I've made this big decision to stay at home, be a stay-at-home mom, and now I find out my husband's been unfaithful. I said, wait, 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 wait. How do you know your husband's been unfaithful? And then she gave me the details this laboratory test. I said, well, are you having any vaginal discharge or itching or burning? 
She says, no. I said, then, do not take the antibiotic. Have the test repeated and see what the results are. I said, these tests are often aggressively reported as being positive when there's really no disease there. So she goes back to the doctor. The test is repeated. It's negative. And so actually it was a false positive. And so here this lady was getting ready to divorce her hardworking husband, destroy the whole economic unit that would support her children, and uh, all on the say-so of a false positive test. So, now this person, you know, made a phone call, got, got another opinion, got more information, but again, the important thing is you have got to exercise your prerogative. Now, I was in medical practice. There was this group of people who were very aggressive about exercising their prerogative. I learned a lot from them. But these people were Christian fundamentalists. Now, the thing about Christian fundamentalists is they have something called faith and belief, and it's very, very strong. And I found this extremely impressive. And so a, such a person came to me and said, I'm pregnant. Okay, sounds good. Since I don't want any tests, I don't want any um, sexually transmitted disease tests, nothing, none of that, because I know that my husband is faithful. Now, this is exercising prerogative. So basically, what this lady said is, and I'll break it down to in English, if my husband is not faithful, I don't need you to tell me. My girlfriends will tell me. I got all kinds of ways to know my husband is faithful. So you don't need to be doing any sexually transmitted disease tests to tell me if my husband is or is not faithful. I don't want to hear it. I have my sources. I have my information, and I've made my decision. Very, very, uh, very, very wise, actually. And when you consider the fundamental unreliability of laboratory tests, then this is an extremely sensible way to proceed number one. Number two, when you take a look at the sexually transmitted diseases, just in case you have one in your pregnancy, and their impact on the fetus is negligible. And so the sexually transmitted diseases like gonorrhea, for example, okay, no big deal, put some drops in the eyes. Um, even syphilis, the babies, babies are born healthy. So these sexually transmitted diseases that supposedly your doctor is looking for during your pregnancy, it turns out that the net effect of having them and having them untreated is less than the effect of, say, smoking cigarettes during your pregnancy. So it's important to exercise your prerogative here. And I, I really thought that was, uh, <laughs> at the time when the patient told me, I don't want any of those tests. My husband's faithful and I know it, and that's the end of that discussion. I said, you know, that's a pretty sensible way of handling your husband's infidelity. I mean, you know, that's really something that's a private matter, nothing to do with the doctor for sure. So, and the other thing about prerogatives is you do not need to give an explanation. You do not need to give an explanation. You don't say, oh, I'm exercising my prerogative because I've done some reading and I've done some studying and I'm qualified to make the decision. 
Absolutely not. You're qualified just because you're you and it's your body. That is your qualification. If you stand on any other qualification, then it can be challenged. If you say, well, I'm qualified to decide because I've done some reading. But someone can always tell you, well, you haven't read enough. Well, you've got to read more. Or, well, you didn't understand what you read. Uh-uh-uh-uh-uh. Prerogative is, that's the end of it. It just is. It is. You don't need anyone else's permission. This is a huge mistake that I see people making when they're caught up in the medical industrial complex in a very negative experience. They try and reason their way out of it. They've got this rational process. And of course, all the information they're considering is coming from the medical industrial complex, which has, uh, of course, a serious conflict of interest in terms of giving them information that is phenomenally unreliable. So this is, this is an important Maybe not a pride. So I live here in uh, in Panama. So you know, a lot of people are very active. They do things. And so this one particular lady was uh, out about, and she tripped, and she fell, uh, and she gashed her knee open. Just just tore it open. Not uh, very big, maybe two inches. And she decides she would seek medical attention. Okay, reasonable. So she goes to the doctor, and the doctor uh, takes a look at it, starts cleaning it out, and says, hey, you know, I think we need some stitches here. And she says, wait, wait, before you stitch this up, I'm going to douse it with nano silver. That's prerogative. That is exercising your prerogative. So why would she douse it with nano silver? It doesn't matter. It's her knee. And so what happened, healed it very nicely. And I just saw her today out and about walking, no limp, no problems. And she even exercised her prerogative to remove the sutures as she saw fit. And so, again, exercising your prerogative. Very, very important. The next thing is wild child. Now, a lot of people have children. And so the question is, how do you know if your child is healthy? The answer is, you exercise your prerogative. And you decide if the child is healthy or not. Now, uh, back when I was a kid, it was considered just total foolishness to take a child to the doctor, just absolutely foolish. And if that kid could eat, you know, if he's young, if he can breastfeed, why, by golly, he was healthy. And if he could breastfeed and poop, well, that's all there was. That's the end of that. And even if he wasn't, why, he just went and talked to another mother, had a little more experience, and asked her, well, how do I get him to poop? How do I get him to eat more? She'll tell you what to do. You do it, and there you go, problem solved. And so that is really it. Who cares if your kid is in the 25th percentile or the 50th percentile or the 75th percentile or how he compares to other children across America? It doesn't matter because you don't have the other children across America in your home. you got this kid in your home. So well, child visits are a total uh, insult to the parents and a disruption to the parent-child relationship. Even going to a well-child visit, you are yielding your prerogative. You are totally abdicating your prerogative to even um, operate on behalf of your child. So that's that's the well-child experience. Now, what do you do when you're, you end up there for some reason, who knows, maybe you got to show up for a well-child visit. I hate this one. 
to get benefits or as a condition of insurance or who knows what. And you show up and you're confronted with this uh, immunization choice. Now, of course, the United States government has determined that uh, vaccines, in particular the MMR, cause autism. Even more shocking is there's 2.5 deaths per thousand live births from SID, sudden infant death syndrome, which is now understood, when you look at the vaccine inserts themselves, to be a vaccine complication. So this is death, death. Okay. And so basically, um, we have an infant mortality in the United States, more or less six per thousand. Half of that is due to vaccines from sudden infant death syndrome. All right, so here you are, you're a parent, you're, consult- you're confronted with this decision about whether or not to vaccinate. And so clearly, if you exercise your prerogatives, the answer is, well, heck no. What do I need with uh, ha- having a, I ain't trying to have a funeral for a kid before his first birthday, so what do I, what do I need with vaccines? And I'm sure not trying to raise an uh, autistic kid, so why bother with vaccines? So that's very straightforward. You don't need a whole lot of research or whatever to sort that piece out. This piece, though, that you do need to sort out is how do you avoid the vaccine? This can be a little dicey. What I would recommend is postpone, postpone, postpone. And how do you do that? You say, doctor, we're going to make another appointment for that one. Doctor, we're going to make another appointment. And you keep making another appointment, another appointment, another appointment, another appointment. And a year later, the kid is still not vaccinated, and you can keep going another year, another year, another year. And you can even go into the package inserts themselves. If you read the vaccine package inserts, they will tell you. If you miss the first year's vaccines, you go on a modified schedule, and you do not make up those missed vaccines. Interesting. So if you read the package inserts for the vaccines, you will find that uh, many of them very clearly say, do not make up missed vaccines. And so um, a combination of prerogatives and combination of, you know, vaccine package inserts. And, of course, finally, um, if vaccination is a condition of some activity, simply waive that activity. What does that mean? It means don't participate in it. You have to vaccinate the kids to go to school? Oh, okay, no problem. Homeschool. Oh, you have to get vaccinated in order to keep your job? Oh, no problem. Find other work. So... This is the way to proceed. Now, if you're of a different mind, if you're truly exercising your prerogative, and if you are indeed making the laws for your own life and the government makes their laws for whatever they want to do, um, then all you really need is not a vaccine, but a piece of paper indicating the vaccines were purchased and paid for. And uh, this is really, (laughs) I live in a foreign country, right? So, in Panama. And it's just shocking to me uh, where you'll need a piece of paper for something. The piece of paper has to say um, that this, 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 and this happened. Four things happened. And of course, there's no way of knowing those four things have happened, and they probably haven't happened. And so the clerk in the office will say, all right, let me check all the boxes that these things have happened. Everything's fine. Okay, stamp, stamp. Pay the fee, whatever. Okay, move along, move along, move along. Well, so you have a sort of certificate of just about nothing, basically. And so um, I'm sure what we're going to see as we have compulsory vaccines for adults and for children and for everybody 
is we're pretty soon going to see some pretty creative um, vaccine certificates. And because of electronic health records, once a health official, that would be a nurse or doctor or whatever, completes, takes your certificate and enters into your electronic records that you were vaccinated, then that's it. You were vaccinated. Whatever, whether there was a needle produced or not or what, who knows. That's it. That's the end of it. And so if you focus on the reality of the record, not the reality of what is or isn't being done to your body, then you can work out very well with this. Next. Oh, this is another one, a good one. A breast lump. So I was talking to, many of you know I do discovery sessions, so I was talking to this lady who's done a discovery session, during a discovery session, and she said, well, you know, I had this breast lump, uh, I think it was 12 years prior. I had a breast lump, and it was pretty big, about um, a little smaller than an egg, good size, good size breast lump. She decided that she would not get a mammogram and that she would not get any medical intervention, whatever, for this breast lump. And so um, 13 years down the road, of course, the breast lump is half the size. Now, had she submitted to a uh, mammogram and biopsy, then there's a 90% chance that had it indicated cancer, she would not really have had cancer. That's a pretty high error rate. And so when you have an error rate that high, it makes a lot of sense to simply do your own diagnosis and um, not worry about getting invasive, disfiguring tests done. And a lot of people say, oh, you know, breast biopsy is just a little uh, piece of something that they take. It turns out that the actual act of crushing the breast can spread cancerous cells in a situation where the cell would have been confined the rest of the person's natural life and never um, caused them any harm. And if the needle similarly penetrates what the immune system may have had as a protective capsule, that again, could have protected the person the rest of their lives from any illness. And so these um, manipulations, mammogram, uh, biopsy, even needle biopsy, are not harmless uh, maneuvers. These are things that can be absolutely, absolutely devastating. And so again, prerogative. Exercise your prerogative. And it's very important. I mean, I know I'm giving you information here, I'm giving you facts, but you need to stand on your prerogative, which is simply your right as a human being to make decisions, period. To make judgments, to take action, and without question, without any question. In other words, you need to not question your decisions. That's important, by the way, because if you question your decisions, then that's, that's really your downfall. And so you need to decide that you can decide and that you don't need proof, you don't need evidence, and you don't need um, to justify your decisions. You're the judge, you're the jury and you simply make these decisions and take action based on whatever your decisions are. And so another one, this is a big one, doctors and cardiologists, the, the heart doctors. These guys are, are they're, they're pretty amazing. 
So this guy is sitting in a doctor's office. And she says to him, this EKG says you're having a heart attack. How are you feeling? He says, well, I just feel just fine. He says, well, you know, a lot of people have heart attacks can feel just fine. We need to admit you. We need to do XYZ tests, ABC, da, da, da. He says, well, okay, well, I've got insurance, which is wrong. It's very wrong to make a decision based on whether or not you have insurance. You'll see how this turns out. This person goes to the hospital. They're in the hospital for a week. They are subjected to every imaginable cardiac test. All the tests indicate that there is no heart attack. The person is absolutely fine. And the person is discharged, and even after his insurance pays everything they're going to pay, he's left with a bill, more or less, $14,000. And so this brings up a few things. First of all, when you exercise your prerogative on behalf of your well-being, First question you ask yourself is, do I feel well? And if you feel well, guess what? You are well. That's it. The doctor's tests do not have the ability to detect almost sick. Almost sick means not sick. And even if you are almost sick, the progression from almost sick to sick can take anywhere from 10 minutes to 20 years. So this is not a valid situation to yield your prerogative. The... Other thing is the criteria for deciding cannot be external. So it cannot be, well, I have insurance, well, I'm covered by insurance. That's very bad. Why? Because as you can see, having an insurance card is an illusion. It's a trap. It's a trap to suck you in, to get you to take on financial obligations that you know you can't handle. I mean, it's, it's, I'm sure if the nurse or doctor had told this patient, you're having a heart attack right now, you could drop dead, and uh, we're going to evaluate this for you, and it will cost you $16,000 in cash, um, payable out of your pocket. He would have said, you know what, guys, I'm going to have to go home and take my chances. Me and the Lord are going to have to work this out. In which case, he would have gone home, we had a glass of water, and things would have been just fine because, of course, things were just fine anyway. So, important to exercise your prerogative. Very, very, very important. And the reason to exercise your prerogative is because you're alive, because you're you, and because you can. Your criteria for deciding is if you feel fine, guess what? You are fine. That's the end of it. Um, and you can't place your judgment. You can't make it conditional. You certainly can't make it conditional on anything in the medical industrial complex. You can't make it conditional on your insurance company, um, hospital policy, or um, drug company policy recommendations or standard of care. You're exempt from all that because it's your prerogative. It's your prerogative to do what you want and to decide what you want. And you don't need anyone's permission to make your own decisions. It's your Provocative. Another case is um, a person was playing basketball, had a knee injury, and the knee uh, collapsed and flopped around. It's clearly unstable and detached at at least one of its points of attachment. This person went to the this person uh, could not get up off the basketball court. And her friend said, hey, you've got insurance. You should go to the emergency room and get it checked out. And she says, oh, well, huh, maybe I will. So 
So her first thought was, oh, I've injured my knee. Let me just go home and uh, ice it and see how it goes. But nope. She had insurance that was the criteria for her decision, so she waived her prerogative and subordinated her prerogative to her insurance company and went in to the emergency room, whereupon she had an x-ray, which showed nothing was broken, whereupon they had an MRI, that's a big $5,000 test, and um, of course her insurance did not pay for it, and she was stuck with the bill for $5,000. Now... What else happened? Well, thank goodness, she realized her insurance wasn't paying for anything, so she stopped all medical therapy, simply used uh, ice and a brace. She did get diagnosed for having a um, anterior cruciate ligament tear, and of course, it's healed up very nicely without surgery. And um, the bill for $5,000 was obviously she could not afford to pay that bill, and it simply ruined her credit rating. So here was a young lady just graduated from college with a totally trashed credit rating, and no no benefit whatever from medical intervention. In other words, they didn't even hand her a brace at the emergency room. They simply did an x-ray, issued a bill, which her insurance said, okay, well, your insurance company, we've looked at the bill, now it's yours to pay. So, again, this person failed to exercise their prerogative. This person, when she collapsed on the basketball court, realizing that she had been injured by another player clipping her uh, knee, her prerogative would have been to say, eh, let me go home, ISIS, and see how it works out. But other people intervened. They had an, uh, opinions. Of course, they didn't have $5,000 with their opinions. They just had opinions. And as Bobby Brown would say, everyone's talking all this stuff about me. Why don't they just leave me, let me live? I don't need permission. I make my own decisions. That's my prerogative. So if she had understood the lyrics of Bobby Brown, she would have realized that these people are just talking all this stuff. And they need to let her live. And she needs their permission, her decision, her prerogative. And this is why I believe it's so important not to have health insurance. Because if you need health insurance, by need I mean can't afford to pay your bills out of pocket, all the more reason for you to put aside that money that you would have paid for health insurance premiums. And if you need health care, or if you feel you need health care, I won't say if you need health care, but if you feel you need health care, then you can avail yourself of it on a cash-available basis. And this is important because the proven effectiveness of medical care is just about zero. So it's proven to be ineffective, even by uh, the medical industrial complex itself. And so... Um, if you do have what you perceive to be an illness, the difference between taking a round-the-world trip or having surgery is really not, in terms of outcome, probably taking the vacation would give you the better outcome. Certainly not any worse than um, medical intervention. And so it's really important to 
for you to be the one to decide what you should do and for you to exercise your prerogative. Because as they say, it's my prerogative. I'll give you one more example, my favorite. I've given this example many times for other different things. I was a resident and I was on duty in the middle of the night. Actually, well, in the middle of the night. Maybe it was afternoon. It was evening. After dinner, anyway. And so this guy comes in with a boombox on his shoulder, singing to the music and the music blaring as he's carrying this boombox into the hospital. This man was clearly exercising his prerogative to blast his boombox. Unfortunately, he was not exercising his prerogative to stay out of the hospital. That prerogative he did not exercise. He exercised instead the prerogative to listen to his music. And so during the hospitalization, the uh, senior doctor started a medication, and in five days, that medication resulted in this person's death. So this person's reasoning was that he had excellent insurance. And I would say to anybody, if you're healthy enough to walk into a hospital with a boombox on your shoulder, you need to be healthy enough to exercise your prerogative and turn around and walk in the other direction. And so it really makes a huge, huge, huge uh, difference. And there's a lot of discussion. Well, you know, when doctor recommend something, what questions should I ask him? Should I ask him this? Should I ask him that? Um, asking the doctor questions is really pointless because he's trained to give you answers that are, that are patently unreliable. Um, the only reason to ask the doctor a question is to appear reasonable or to ask him a question to delay to figure out how you're going to get out of here without uh, having them send the psychiatry squad, the police squad, Child Protective or Adult Protective after you. And this can be a very sensitive, touchy issue. So if you, if the individual, the target individual who's being entrapped in the healthcare medical industrial complex is under 18 or over 65, then you have Child Protective or Adult Protective involved. And there's an extreme decrease in the legal recognition of prerogative. And so you need to exercise your prerogative at a time in a place where either one, it's recognized, or two, you know what, honestly, you just need to do it. You just need to do it because there's so many cases and there's so many times where death is absolutely imminent and the unfortunate uh, individual is not aware. For example, with immunization. Children have died within 24 hours of immunization. And so to say well, we'll have this one shot and see how it goes, you know, it's not reasonable. And sure, it's only three, three per thousand that are going to die, but what if your kid is one of those? You know, that's it's unreasonable. Okay, so it is 6.45. It is question time. Also, I'd like to remind people um, that I now have monthly Q&A, Dr. Daniel's office hours. You get a chance to ask questions. And you can go to vitalitycapsules.com. I believe there's a tab on the top that um, can help you sign up for this. It's a membership. Right now it is $9.95 a month, and 
absolute steal. And um, we're going to be raising it to $49.95 a month. So now is the time. Okay, I'm getting my questions over here on another screen where I can see them. All right, there we go. Okay, questions. Let's see. This is 7430. Your name and your question, please. Hi, my name is Patrick, and I was calling to ask you if you knew what someone could take in order to help where they have an issue with their eyes, where, like, their their upper eyebrow kind of sags a little bit, where it's uh, it gets puffy and it, it hangs down, like the skin hangs down over the eyes. I wonder if you have any suggestions for the dietary changes to help that. Um, I have a book, Do You Have the Guts to Be Beautiful? And it tells you how to stop your skin from sagging, and it really pulls your skin right back up. Oh, okay, so yes, you have I, the I do have the book. Huh? I do have the book, but I didn't see anything about that area oh, of the face. Go to the facial. If you go to the back chapter of the facial, it talks. It tells you about lemon juice, and just use lemon juice. You do the facial. You use the um, the rice brand. You scrub it with the rice brand. You're just using your your upper eyelid. You know, use your little finger and be gentle. Don't bruise your eyeball. Uh, then wipe that off with a cloth, and then you put some uh, some lemon juice on it. It's important that you put the lemon juice, you know, directly on the skin, full strength, wiping with the lemon wedge, because the um, the bioflavonoids in the pith are helpful, and these things uh, rejuvenate that skin and pull it together and suck it up. And then finally, you want to put oil over it. Um, people have been finding that castor oil works the best. So that solves the, the so, big puffy eyes that hang down. Yeah. Now, the other dietary recommendations in the book are helpful, too, so follow those, you know, just in general. But to suck up that skin, uh, you want to do that facial, especially paying attention to the upper upper lid there. Okay, great. Okay, we have another question. Click on this button. Aha, I think I got it. Okay, 5539. Oops. Hello. Hi. Dr. Diaz, your name and your question, please. Uh, my name is Bill, and the question I have is, do the same conditions apply to a thyroid biopsy with a needle that apply to a breast lump? Uh, yes. Okay. So okay. it could spread, the, if there were cancer there, it would spread it around. Absolutely. And so you, what people need to realize is these so-called tests are not harmless. They are not harmless. And... Um, if you really believe that what you have is cancer, and so people need to clear up their thinking here. You need to make up your mind. Either you have cancer or you don't. And guess what? It's your prerogative. Exactly. It's your prerogative. Because if they're doing a needle biopsy, they could biopsy right next to the cancer and still miss it. So this test is not necessarily going to tell you if you have cancer. And so really, it makes the most sense for you to decide, again, just ask your body, hey, do I have cancer? And guess what? Your subconscious will really help you sort this out. So 
exercise your prerogative. So let's say you say, hey, you know what? I got a thyroid nodule. I think it's cancer. Got it. The next thing is to figure out, okay, what do I think should be done about this? Again, this is your prerogative. And the doctors have such a poor track record, such a poor track record, that you just pulling an answer out of the air is absolutely not inferior to what they're going to come up with. And, and that's what you've got, to, you've got to get a grip on that. Their judgment with all this whiz-bang technology and whatever, the track record is so friggin' poor that there, there is no evidence that it's beneficial. And anyone pre presents you with a study showing this or a study showing that. Let's take the big picture. It's called big data. I encourage anyone and everyone to Google big data. What is it? Understand it. You really understand it. Big data means there is no data point that's excluded. So there's no wiggling, waffling, or shading the data. Okay. So if you look at big data, you look at populations, and you look at access to medical care, it does not improve the life expectancy or the health of a population. An excellent example of this is the United States with prenatal care and immunizations. We have a very poor infant mortality. So we have access to health care and we have worse outcomes. So this is actually something we can extend to the rest of the population. It's a pattern. It's a pattern. So given this pattern, it makes no sense for you to refuse to exercise your prerogative. So exercise your prerogative, make up your mind what you think you have, and go with it. That's what I say. Hi, your name and your question. I think I know who this is. Dr. Daniels? Yes. Uh, hi, this is Yvonne. And hi, I would like Yvonne. to know hi. Um, I would like to know what you can do for a real persistent case of um parasites. Um diet wise, um I've been fighting for a long time and um it seems like they're in places now that we sort of can't reach with anything. So um, I'm just wondering you really have to take a very critical look at the, you know, at your internal environment. And sometimes there's, there's cleansing that you can do, but if you've done all the cleansing you can do, if you believe you've done all the cleansing you can do, and the diet adjustments, you believe you've done all the diet adjustments you can do in terms of starving the parasites, let's say, then the next step you've got to consider is building up your immune system. So then you have to say, wait a minute. I've done the STARVE program. It's time for me to do the rebuild program. And that's where a lot of um, programs um, fall down or are deficient is that they don't have the rebuild portion. So I would recommend the rebuild portion. It sounds like that is where the deficiency is. All right. Let's see what we have from the chat room. Wow, a lot of questions in the chat room. Let's see if we can start at the beginning. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. So these guys are talking about a lot of things. Okay. What is Dr. Dan's perspective on Morgellons disease? Okay. Morgellons disease, it just so happens that uh, I was invited to Sudbury, Canada to do a presentation for the Medical Research Foundation. And they were a group who were afflicted with Morgellons disease. They found when they took vitality capsules, their Morgellons was greatly improved and in many cases cleared up. So that's my perspective on Morgellons disease is don't sweat it, uh, you know, 
Go to vitalitycapsules.com and uh, take care of it. Think that they'll help you. Okay. <laughs> All right. So someone in my chat room is saying, Dr. Dennis, you can't use the word murder anymore. That's right. You have to use the word killing because killing is authorized and legal. And so murder means unauthorized killing. And when doctors murder patients, it is not murder because they are licensed and they are authorized to follow the standard of care, which results in the death. So the proper term is killing by medicine, not murder by medicine, because the murder, the death the doctors commit, these killings are authorized. Okay. So the person says, can I say no when the doctor is demanding I take a blood test or she'll refuse to continue my prescription? You know what my patients used to do? They used to not even come in. They would call and say, oh, Dr. Daniel, can you ask me a month for Oh, I'm sorry, I just can't make it in. Oh, I'll show up next month. One patient strung me along for a full year like that. So I would uh, recommend not even showing up and just simply making a phone call. And often the nurse has parameters to call on these, these prescriptions routinely for at least a three-month period. So that is the approach I would use for that. If the doctor withdraws my prescription, then I'm kind of screwed from that point of view. I have to do whatever she tells me to. And actually, that's not true. Absolutely not true. Um, if you feel you need that prescription, there are online uh, pharmacies. They have doctors on call who are writing the script you want, any way you want. I had a friend who ordered um, Nubane, the heavy-duty narcotic, and they shipped her a whole case of it. <laughs> you know, there is no limit. So, again, what's going on here is you are reluctant to exercise your prerogative. And I say, man up, man up, Scotty, and go for it. Okay. Okay. So blood test every three months for the next 40 years, question mark, exclamation, exclamation. Eventually, test is going to throw up a false positive. Of course it is. So, again, uh, what you need to do is man up and realize that it's your prerogative it's your decision whether or not to exercise it. And the question is not what someone else wants. It's what do you want. And if you want to pick a prescription, all you do is go to Google and Google, um, you know, pharmacy with prescriptions. Or we write, we, we write your prescriptions. And I've never known anyone not to be able to get just about everything they want um, online. I mean, I, I just can't even begin to tell you all the shocking, amazing things people have gotten online that supposedly require a prescription. So I say, you know, uh, wake up and get with the new times. It's going to be awesome. You'll be shocked. Okay, let's see. (laughs) The problem arises when you ask the doctor too many questions, you challenge their authority, and they want to make your life more difficult. Okay, again, you have to not engage in this drama, and that brings us, of course, to next week's show, which is A Greek Tragedy Starring You. And so we talk, I'm going to talk about how people engage in this drama, much to their detriment, because it's basically Hamlet and, well, you're Hamlet. Okay. Uh, let's see. Tell that to the young girl who was forced to take chemotherapy against her will. Again, 
the question here, I mean, this is this is a very, you know, uh, complicated thing. So first of all, somehow the, the girl went to the doctor. Somehow she was diagnosed as having cancer. And then chemotherapy thing. So again, you have to exercise your prerogative early and often. Early and often. Well, turpentine helps with colitis. Many people with colitis have experienced health with uh, turpentine. Turpentine does not cure colitis, but it does help colitis. It does help uh, people have a much easier time of it and fewer flare-ups and less severe flare-ups. Okay, that is it. The show is done. We will see you. And until then, think happens and exercise your prerogative.